Do you want to be a great step parent, but you just aren't sure how? Is your relationship with your stepchildren lacking in more ways than one? Have you tried everything you know to try, but your best efforts are met with cold stares or harsh words? Or are you not in a blended family, but you're looking for ways to encourage your friends and family who are? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time end-of-the-year donation? Listeners, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. Thank you so much for your support. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs and shield my children from it as well. But what if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday. Search for The World and Everything in It wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there, Ginger. I know that you are just as excited as I am about having Ron Deal back on our show. Last time we had Ron on to talk about building unity in blended families. So listeners, if you missed that episode, we will be sure to put a link in the show notes because Ron offered some fantastic insights for navigating just the unique challenges and difficulties that blended families face. But Ginger, before we get started, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about our guest today? Ron Deal is the founder of Smart Step Families and director of Family Life Blended, which is a division of Family Life. He's the author and counseling editor of the Smart Step Family series of books, including the best-selling Building Love Together in Blended Families and Becoming Step Family Smart with Dr. Gary Chapman. Ron is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a popular conference speaker, and the host of the Family Life Blended podcast. All that to say, Ron is the blended family expert, which is why we are so excited to have him on our show again today. Ron, welcome back. Oh, Ginger, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you and Katie. Always good to have you. Ron, in all your years of experience ministering to and talking with so many blended families all over the country, what do you see as the most common, unrealistic expectation about step parenting? You know, I think of a couple. The first one is that step parenting is just like biological parenting. And by the way, I'm mindful for anybody who's listening who's an adoptive parent or a foster parent. 
if you've walked into that terrain, you already know it's a different territory than it is to be a biological parent. Mm-hmm. Biological parenting from the moment they're born, actually for you moms, <laughs> the beauty is the moment they begin to grow inside your womb, you have a connection with them that is unbelievable. It is emotional. It is psychological. It is spiritual. It is DNA deep. And nothing ever, ever changes that. I mean, our kids are born into the world giving us nothing. Poop and snot <laughs> and, you know, they, nothing. They, they cry, they beg and beg and beg for us to give and give and give to them. And we're more than happy to do that. But it is not a two-directional relationship, not in the beginning. They're giving us sweetness, <laughs> but they don't do anything else for us, right? <laughs> Until they grow up and they learn to say and they become adults. All right, so think about that for a minute. It is, it, it is an impartial relationship from the parent's standpoint. We would do anything from them from the moment they're born. Anything. Okay, step parents walk in to an existing relationship with a, with, excuse me, they walk into a relationship with a child that they don't have an existing relationship with, and they've got to form one. But this kid is 10 or 11 or 35 or whatever the case may be. And it's like, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. We've got to begin to figure this out. And you have some opinions about me and whether or not I can even connect with you. So this whole forming of what we call attachment in the step-parent, step-child bond takes time, energy, investment. Who knows how long it's going to take? Your motivation may be a 10 on a 10 scale, and the child's motivation may be a 9, maybe a 7, maybe a 3 to bond back with you. What do you do then? Like, all of that creates layers of complexity that change the way you are able to parent. If you've ever had somebody, a neighbor, run by and go, hey, watch my kid for six hours while I go run a task, you kind of go, what? <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm supposed to do what now? Like, so how do I, what, what do they expect? Like, all of a sudden, you're just like having to figure it out. And you also know you have limitations to your, relation, your, your role in your relationship with a child, but you don't know what the child's expecting out of you. And you just think about that for a minute. Now navigate that and be a parent, right? Okay, it's a hard road. It's a hard road. It is not the same. The reason that's important is biological parents need to hear, oh, my husband, the stepdad to my kids, can't be a dad the way I want him to be a dad. He's got to navigate that space, figure out what kind of role he can play. And he and I are going to have to navigate that together while we figure this out. You can't just assume that the relationship exists or that you even have authority. I'll give you one other common unrealistic expectation, and I think it's repair would be the word I would use, that a step-parent who steps in and says, wow, these kids have not had a mom cooking them meals for I don't know how long. I'm going to write all the wrongs going on in their world and their life. They're going to love my food and my cooking. And oh, by the way, they're going to love the timetable I give them to go to bed. And they're going to love that I love them. (laughs) And they're going to cherish how vested I am in helping them fix their hair and wear nicer clothes. And, you know, whoa, slow that roll down. (laughs) Like, you can't assume any of that. And the assumption that you, even though you have a big heart and goodwill, are going to be able to fix, repair, replace all the things that have been missing in their life, that's a really big expectation. And you're setting yourself up. And by the way, the kid's going to figure out that you think you earned that or deserve that sort of authority in their life. And they actually may be offended by that. Mm 
And now you've got a battle on your hands, not a child who's open to your big heart. So, you know, temper your heart with some realistic expectation. And then eventually you can build your way into a relationship where you do have some influence in their world. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that step-parent-child relationship is complicated enough, but then you add to that step-parent working together with other biological parents. So what are your suggestions for how step-parents and biological parents can work together? And specifically, what role should that step-parent play? Okay, so let's talk about being a team. Biological parent has a clearly defined relationship with their children, meaning hey, you're my mom, period, end of story, and you're my kid, period, end of story, and you and I have history, and and uh, we can be mad at each other as all get out, and we both know that we're going to love each other at the end of the day. So there is a permanence to the biological parent's relationship with the children that a step-parent does not have, right? They have an ambiguous relationship. Biological parents have clarity. Step-parent has ambiguity, which means we got to resolve that ambiguity to figure out what this means and what it looks like and how we get along with each other. And that's the bit of a journey. So in the meantime, while that's happening, I want the biological parent and the step-parent to try to team up and play to one another's strengths. Um, there's a little chart in my book, The Smart Step Family, where we sort of, you can imagine um, an X and a Y, you know, uh, up the X is on the left side is... Uh, how much status does a child give you in their heart? How do they, do they view you as a parent or as a grandparent or as an aunt or an uncle or as a teacher at school? Teachers have authority, but they don't have the same measure of authority as a parent does. Everybody knows that. Even kids know that, right? Well, on day one in a blended family, biological parent has high authority. It's a 10 on a 10 scale, and it never changes. Step-parents come in sort of like teacher at school, sort of like coach on the soccer field who tells me what to do, and I'm supposed to obey. But it's not because I love you. It's because you're the coach. And by the way, your authority as a coach is limited to the field. If we walk off the field, we walk down the street and enter my front door of my house, coaches know and kids know coaches don't get to tell you what to do. And they certainly don't get to yell at you and cuss at you like they did on the, on the field. Mm. Um, it's a totally different game. Everybody understands that. So a step-parent who walks in and says, I'm sort of like a coach. I'm an authority in your life. I'm an adult. I get to tell you to pick up your socks. But it's not necessarily because you love me. That, the, obedience will be based upon the fact that I'm an adult here and my relationship with your parent gives me a little strength, a little power that I don't have on my own, kind of like a babysitter. We, we pass power to babysitters. That's, that's what we do before we leave the kids. Hey, look, she's in charge. She's 14 and cute. We don't even know her last name, but she's in charge. <laughs> she's in charge of your life for the next four hours. You need to obey her. And it sort of works. Like our kids get that and they're okay with it. And it's sort of like everybody has fun. But babysitters know they're not moms. And moms know babysitters are not moms. Everybody understands. So when a step-parent says, I'm sort of like a babysitter, on day one, that's who I am to these children, I need to act that way. I need to respect the limits of that relationship. And if I cross the boundaries on accident, oops, repair, I'm going to apologize, we're going to heal, we're going to move on, I'm going to do better, you're going to do better. But in the meantime, the biological parent is still very much in charge. And so if bio-parents 
remain the disciplinarians, the ones who follow through on punishment, the ones who say consequences, here they come, kids, and you're going to answer to me. That allows the step parent to babysit, <laughs> to coach, to be an additional person without having to wear or carry the burden of discipline, of heavy, hard work of parenting. And we sort of live in that space until the step parent builds a bond with the children. How long does that take? Depends on the age of child, how open they are. So there's a lot of variables there. But you can imagine, you know, a lot of step parents within a year and a half, two years, three years are really feeling like they have gained some respect in their relationship with the children. And they're standing more on their own two feet and not and less and less on the biological parents' uh, position with the children. Is that making sense? As I, as it does, I it, that and it really you? rings, and it very much rings true with me. That was something that I had to learn a little bit the hard way because when Ronnie and I married, we parented very differently mm-hmm. as far as uh, consequences and expectations and. I sort of, you know, because I write parenting books, I'm like, well, you're going to like follow my lead here, right? Because this is what I do. Uh-huh. And and it wasn't so much that Ronnie disagreed with anything that I did or, or the way that I handled things with, with my children, uh, but he and his ex had always parented a different way. Mm-hmm. And there were different expectations and different consequences. And I learned very quickly that I had to respect that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm That's the right. stepmom. I am not the mom. And if That's I try right. to come in here and parent as the mom, that's going to cause disharmony in both homes. And You're so exactly I had right. to learn that it is okay in a step family. It is okay to parent in different ways for the sake of all the kids. That They're used to a certain uh, style of parenting, and that's working for them, and we don't need to come in as stepmoms and disrupt that. So, mm-hmm. and, it, and it brought peace to me, Ron, because I thought, you know, this is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be stepmom, to come alongside them, to love them, to encourage them, to point them to Jesus, but I am not the disciplinarian. That's I need right. to back out of that role. And I'm not responsible for that. And so that brought peace to my heart to step out of that seat. Katie, can I just brag on Ginger for a minute? Please. Can, yes. can I just do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. listen to the humility in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I, I write books, but you know what? I have something to learn. Mm. I need to recognize my role and my place. And she softly regrouped and said, you know what? I, I, I need to recognize our relationship, authority, and attachment is different. Therefore, he has the ability to do certain things. I need to play this role, not try to take control of or demand that role. There's wisdom in that that is extremely powerful. Again, the paradox is over time that will shift. As relationship grows and develops, the step-parent can play more and more of that sort of role with some children in some circumstances. I'm not saying with all kids, especially younger ones when you have more time with them. You get to move into that sort of space with them. But somebody who says, nope, my way or the highway is only going to be on the highway (laughs) all by themselves. Hmm. Like it's just going to undo their family. That's right. That's right. And one thing that I found that definitely played in in my favor as well as theirs is by me not being the disciplinarian, uh, the one that's going to come up with the consequences, I found that it gave them the freedom to come to me and to Mm. ask my opinion and my advice on things, um, just as the stepmom that's here to encourage and guide and, and just point them in the right direction. So it just freed us up in a lot of ways and brought more unity to our relationship all the way around. 
what I love about that comment is that you just pointed out that just because you're not the one handing down punishment does not mean you don't have influence. Uh, Ginger, I run into a lot of people, especially Christian folks, who feel like if they're not, boy, if I'm not in control of my kid, uh, I'm the step parent, I know, but I need to be in control of my household. Why? You know, because that's the way I'm going to influence. Well, no, no, no. Actually, there's all kinds of influence that doesn't have anything to do with punishment. The influence of love, the influence of nurture, the influence of encouragement, the influence of, hey, I'm a cheerleader for you. And I know you and I are still figuring out a few things, but I just want you to know, I think you're a great kid. Now, how do I help you be successful at X, whatever you're facing in life? You get to be like a consultant, you know, mm-hmm. and what a powerful role to play in the life of a child. So it, it, you don't have to demand the place of, you know, ultimate authority in a, in a child's world. We all talk about mentors. <laughs> we all talk about – every one of us can probably think, who was that coach, that teacher, that – that older adult, that uh, that grandmother at church that everybody loved, and she came alongside you. She's not your biological grandmother. She's just everybody's grandmother. And she taught you something that you have never forgotten in your life. We all have people who have influenced us in very powerful ways that are not our biological parents. When step-parents say, I'm going to play that role, and in the meantime, we're going to grow relationship over time, and we'll see how it goes with this whole punishment disciplinary role. But in the meantime, I'm going to be an influence. That is an amazing uh, place to be. Mm, Absolutely. Ron, something else I've heard you talk about is the difference between positional authority and relational authority. Tell us about that. Yeah, let's let's use those terms in light of the example we just gave. Uh, A babysitter has positional authority. My wife's a teacher. On the first day of school, they throw 25-year-olds at her in kindergarten, and they say, go. <laughs> and something amazing happens. They walk in, and she says, all right, kids, time to sit down and be quiet. And you know what? They kind of do it. Of course, with five-year-olds, they're teaching them what school is on the first day, and they don't really know how that works. But as kids grow, they know the teacher on the first day, seventh grade, eighth grade, 12th grade, whatever it is, is in charge of this space. Now, sometimes kids press the limits on the, all of that. But for the most part, they understand the teacher is in charge. They don't love the teacher. They have no connect. That is positional authority. Every one of us probably has a boss. That's a positional authority in our life. When you're driving down the highway, I know this has never happened to Ginger, but it's happened to me. When you're driving down the highway and you look in your (laughs) rearview mirror and you see some blue and red flashing lights, you pull over because the (laughs) positional authority is saying you've broken the law. I don't pull over because I'm in love with the police officer, right? Okay, that's relational authority. That's what biological parents have and will always have, relational authority. I love you because you're my dad. I love you because you're my mom. You don't even have to be a nice person, and I still love you. That's how deep it is for children and their parent. Mm -hmm. But a step-parent who's not a nice person, why am I going to love you? I, I, I may give you a little respect for your position, but I don't have a heart connect or an affection for you. That comes with time and trust and relationship, and we build a few memories, and I learned that you really are for me, and I really can trust you, and so I let you in a little bit more and a little bit more. So step-parents start with positional authority. They're working towards relational authority. So I just want to throw a scenario in the works for you guys that came to my mind when we were talking about the role of the step parent. And that is, let's say 
um, you know, mom has kids of her own, dad has kids of his own, and we're all living in the same household. But mom has, at Ginger, as you mentioned, you know, you have a different style of discipline, different consequences and things in your, with your kids, dad has different ones. How do you keep, or can you keep that from becoming a conflict between the children and the parent who is their biological parent? Because I could see how, look, dad lets his kids get away with this, that, and the other, Mm -hmm. but mom, you're on our case about the littlest thing. So how do you keep that from being a source of contention with your own biological kids and then them with their step-siblings? It's an excellent question, and it does happen for a lot of people. I often get the question, well, he's got his rules and I got mine. Can we just keep our different set of rules? Well, how close are those rules? You know, if we think about different parenting styles, are you both authoritative, but he sends the kids to bed at 8.30 and you send them to bed at 9 and that's the only difference? Hey, yeah, you can live with that. That's not a big deal. But if it's, oh, wow, no, I'm sort of permissive and really don't have any boundaries and they come home when they want to and they get up when they want to and they do their chores if they want to and I never do anything about it and he is um, authoritarian my way now and have a smile on your face (laughs) – Wow, no, you cannot have two totally different postures and expectations in the home because of the very thing you mentioned, Katie. One set's going to look at, we always have to do all the chores. They never do anything. Like it's total, there's total injustice, if I could say it that mm-hmm. way, within the household. So you may start that way, but you can't stay that way. I tell people, all right, for a, for a season, yep, you're just kind of working with what you had. But you two need to start having some powwows and figure out how you're going to parent together. It does not mean that every single thing for every set of children has to be exactly the same. But you need to work towards more uh, similarities than differences. This is where I actually recommend to people the work of Ginger Hubbard and people (laughs) like her. Because they sometimes need to go back to, so what does good parenting look like anyway? And I go, man, go listen to Ginger Hubbard and read everything that she's written because she's going to tell you what ground zero is. And you're going to figure out, oh, well, we're over here and I'm over here. And how do I move toward ground zero? Well, guess what? If you're both moving toward ground zero, you're getting closer to one another. You're going to have more parenting style similarities than you are differences. That's going to help. Will there be transition? Will kids say, well, wait a minute, you never let us used to do that. And now you're letting, or we, we, we always did that before. And now you're not letting us, right, kids. You're just doing that because the stepmom told you to tell us that we should, you know what I say to people, don't let your kids do that to you. You know, look them in the eye and go, you're a smart kid. Did you figure that all out on your own? I'm amazed. You're a bright <laughs> child. And the answer is, and the answer is nine-year-old, uh, you're exactly right. The rule used to be X and now it's Y in part because I'm married and this person is so important to me and we put our heads together and we're going to try to do right by you kids. And this is the new system. And I totally understand if you're confused by it. So I got lots of grace for this transition. But here's the deal. We're moving in this direction. This is the way it's going to be. You and I will get there together. Let's get on board. Come on, let's go. And mm-hmm. over time, you press, you press, you move, you move with grace and understanding, a lot of, lot of compassion because kids get confused. That's not on them. That's on you. The change is hard. And yet, you move them in the direction that you now as a team want to lead. So it can be done. It is a certain measure of work. Depends on how far apart you are as, as, as adults in parenting when you started. But working towards common is, is really important for the children. 
That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wasn't trying to set you up to promote Ginger's books, but we really appreciate you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, what it, what it boils down to is using the Bible, which really is what Ginger's books are all about. It's, you know, God's word and yes. bringing it back to that being our foundation and building from there. And I love what you said, Ron, about having grace in the transition. Yes. I think so many parents fall off the rails when it's like, this is the new law. We've never done this before, and there will be no exception, and there will be no grace. If <laughs> and you and then that. we go the extra step and say, and you're going to be happy about it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, right. don't undo yourself with, the, with that, expecting happiness. <laughs> Let's just settle for some right. obedience. That's but, right. There has but, to be some compromise. Know where there can be compromise. Choose your battles. Mm-hmm. That's it. Have your kids ever come to you with math homework and asked for your help, only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school? Well, I have great news for you parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress. We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Well, something else that you address in your books and in your conferences is loyalty conflict. So can you tell us what that is, how it impacts a step-parent, and what parents can do about it? I want you to imagine for a second you're standing on a you know, a public bus, right? You're riding from point A to point B and you're traveling with a couple of friends and you're all just sort of standing there together holding onto the pole, trying not to fall over as the bus navigates around the city. And all of a sudden, your two friends that are kind of on either side of you start arguing. And then it gets physical. Like they, you're looking at these and you're thinking they're going to punch each other. How are you feeling standing between them? You love both of them. You care for them. You want them to love each other. I don't know what's going on, but you're caught in the middle. This is a loyalty conflict. You don't really want to take either anybody's side because then it's two against one. They both have their merits. You're not trying to take uh, you know, sides with anybody. And you want them to find some peace with one another. So you basically are awkward and you don't know what to do. And you're stuck and they're stuck. Okay, children have a loyalty to primarily their biological parents. Over time, they develop a relationship and attachment to step-parents and step-siblings, and those people also, there's a loyalty that also is extended to them. But in the beginning, and, it is, and throughout life, it is most clear that their loyalty is to bio mom and dad. Let's say mom and dad are now divorced, but still fighting. The kid is always in the middle, Always even if they're living in two physical different places and it's happening through text messaging. The kid just happens to hear about it or, you know, dad reads one out loud and makes some derogatory comment. Like, that's still fighting. And to the child's heart, they're still caught in the middle. And the last thing they want to do is choose sides because then they're favoring one over the other. 
Here's another loyalty conflict that happens as a step-parent enters their world. I love mom. I love dad. I, I like my stepmom. She's, wow, she's nice. She's kind. She brings some cool stuff to my life. She takes care of my dad. My brother loves her. My sister gets along with her. I kind of really like her. But, oh, my goodness, I don't think I want to love her because if my mom ever found out, <laughs> now my mom would be hurt, and I don't want mom to be hurt. She's already been through a lot. I don't want to risk a losing connection with mom. So I like stepmom. I don't love stepmom. I keep her at bay just a little bit. Or some step-parents will say, why is this kid hot and cold with me? I mean, I feel like we're doing great, and then all of a sudden they shut down. And I, my first thought is loyalty. They're struggling to love you. Mm-hmm. Don't know where to put you in their heart. It's a stuck place to be. The last thing they want to do is lose connection with the people that are the closest to them. And, and so really what this creates is a love conflict. <laughs> and, and I often tell step-parents, uh, this is a backward compliment, but a kid who's hot and cold may like you a whole lot. That's the problem. You're likable. And that puts them naturally into a place where they're struggling to figure out what to do about their other parent. And so what you got to do is, and I hate to say this, but you have to endure some of the hot, cold stuff and also come alongside it. Hey, you know what? Mother's Day's coming up. Imagine a stepmom saying to a kid, you know, Mother's Day's coming up. And I just looked at the calendar and the visitation schedule is you're going to be at our house, not at your mom's house. Man, if I were you, I'd want to be at mom's house. I mean, it's Mother's Day. You can call her. You can FaceTime her. But that's not the same. You want to hug her. I just want you to know I see that. And that's that's hard. And I just, I get it. And you know what? I don't expect you to treat me on that day like you would your mom. I don't have that expectation at all. I'm also just wondering, how can I help you? Is there something I can do that would allow you to maybe connect with your mom on that day? Could we figure something out? Talk to me. Tell me what you need. Now, think about that from the child's standpoint, what they have just heard from you. Number one is, wow, that was nice. You're helping me figure out my relationship with my mom. But much more importantly, number two, they just heard from you. I love that you love your mom. I am not competing with her for your affections. She is primary in your heart and should stay there. I am secondary. And I will give you that gift. All of a sudden, that stepmom just got a whole lot more respectable, more honorable, more approachable. Wow, this is a woman that I can like and love, and I know it will not cost me anything in my heart toward my mom. That's a beautiful thing. I want you to think for just a minute if the Trinity had loyalty conflicts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine the Holy Spirit going, oh, psh, yeah, you're going to, you want me to descend like a dove on him because he's getting baptized today? Uh, you know, the precious son, beloved son. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Imagine a war within the Father, Son, Holy Spirit over who loves who. Like, no. <laughs> no. What they do is bless and encourage and invite and create grace for all three parts, if you will, to have their place, their role with God's people. It is a beautiful picture of, of how love can be extended out, and we don't have to, uh, you know, fight for it. When a stepmother, step, stepfather has that sort of attitude, it comes back 
in positive ways for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ron, I've talked to so many step parents at even my events. I don't, I don't speak at step parenting events, but there's a lot of them out there that, that come and listen to the parenting seminars. But so many of them have told me how they're frustrated because they feel like that they're just putting so much effort into having that mm-hmm. good relationship with their stepchildren. But everything they do is just coming back. It just seems to be to no avail. What should a step parent do if their love toward a child is met with cold distance? Mm. You know, leading with love is so hard. It takes a lot of self-control, takes a lot of trust in God. Um, but that's exactly what you do. You be the neighbor. <laughs> you know, the story of the Good Samaritan starts with an, an attorney saying, who's my neighbor? But when Jesus tells the story and then turns the back to the attorney, notice he does not ask him the same question as the attorney asked him. The attorney said, who's my neighbor? In other words, who am I required to help and love? Jesus said, who was the neighbor? Who chose to love in spite of who the other person was? That's a very different Mm -hmm. question and a very different answer. Mm -hmm. And I would invite the step-parents to lead with love. I I mean, here's the thing. Uh, You can't force somebody to love you. You can't. I tried that in seventh grade. And, you know, that girl wouldn't love me. I mean, I just, <laughs> I tried to will it into existence and it didn't happen. Uh, you can't do that as an adult. You can't do that in a work relationship, a business relationship. You want to work with a company. They don't want to work with you. It's not going to happen. Uh, so what you have to do is you have to lead with love. Now, here's the wisdom. If it's continually met with, um, a, a, you know, a stiff arm, uh, then don't press so hard. Don't work so hard. Don't chase hard. Slow that down a little bit. Chase with measure. You know, find what is somewhat acceptable. You know, hey, uh, so you have an adult stepchild who's 30 years of age and lives down the street, but, you know, you, you don't connect. So you ask them to lunch every week. Well, no. Okay, maybe... Maybe go to lunch once a year, you know, once, a, once every three months or, you know, find those little things that do work. And that's how you pursue. The point is you're trying to, to continually be a grace-filled person so that if they ever soften, you'll be there. And in the meantime, that might mean with a younger child, you're still washing their underwear and you're still cooking meals. And hardly ever do you get a thank you. And it is a hard, lonely road, which, by the way, is why I always tell biological parents in that situation, you need to fill that gap. You need to tell your spouse, the step-parent, how much you love and appreciate and all the sacrifice they are making. They need somebody to acknowledge that so that they can just keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. Uh, One last thought about this. Um, Here's the hope. There's some research that's been done where they – uh, interview now adult stepchildren about their childhood. And they asked them a series of questions about what helped turn the corner for you and the step parent. What changed your role? Um, and it's a fascinating uh, science to kind of go back and let adults now looking back go, you know what? Here's, I think there was a turning point. That's what they call them, turning points. It was when my stepmother went to bat for me with the school over the thing they said I did, but I didn't do. And she went and talked on my behalf and stood up for me. 
I'll never forget that. It was, and what happens is it's a year later, five years later that the child goes, you know what? She really does love me. I can see this. I can see this. I can see this. It didn't necessarily turn the relationship the moment the stepmom went to battle for the child. But over time, that and a number of other things warms up the child's heart, softens their outer shell, and they begin to realize and respect and move toward the step-parent. So in other words, love that you do today, sacrifices that you make today that you feel like got you nowhere might actually be getting you somewhere. Hmm. You just need to keep going and trust that eventually you'll see uh, the, the positivity that has come about because of it. Well, Ron, you mentioned biological parents building up the step-parent. Um, how important is that support hmm. to the success of the step-parent? And what are some tips you have or some other thoughts on that, on how they can show that support? Let me give you an analogy I think a lot of people can understand. Um, if you're a homeschool parent... <laughs> Yes. And your kids are a part of a part of a, a group of other parents that get together, and you spend time together, and then you start hearing, w- "You mean the other teachers in this group when they're they're bad mouthing me in front of the children? What does that do to you when you when you're trying to have a role as a helper, trainer for other people's kids and your own kids? Like, I mean, that kills your confidence. That cuts into that. My wife's teacher. We talked about her teaching five year olds. Uh, she has lived, she's been a teacher for more than 25 years, and she has had times where she had principals that didn't back the teachers. And so if parents went and complained, the principal basically gave in to the, to the parents. And where did that leave the teachers? Feeling totally left out to dry, mm. unsupported. And next thing you know, the parents are taking advantage of the teachers in terms of the child and the classroom and the expectations. It undermines everything. But she's also had principals that went to bat for her and said, nope, you're not going to treat my teacher that way, and called parents out for misbehavior and refused to let them take advantage of the the teachers in the system. And it strengthens the teachers. It emboldens them. It it helps them do their job better and feel confident about it. A biological parent who comes home at the end of the day and says, you did what with my kid? No, I'm undoing that. I'm going to tell my kid, you're wrong and we're not going to have, they're, they're not going to have to pick up their socks. <laughs> it, that completely deflates the step parent. They're already having a hard time building their relationship and finding their place within the home. That just, you know, completely deflates their energy, their, their enthusiasm. And if they're making sacrifices and not finding very few rewards, that really makes them lose their motivation to even try. So at the end of the day, it's everything. The biological parents supporting the step-parent in front of the children is everything to the step-parent's success. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Ron. So Ron, what do you have for us today? You know, years ago uh, when uh, smartphones came out, we had this little saying, don't text and drive. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> well, I like that would to be say, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it would. I would like to say, yeah, don't text and drive uh, and don't text and parent. Mm. Do you guys know there's a new term out? It's called fubbing, partner snubbing. It's where you prefer your phone instead of oh. the person in front of you. It's a, it's, a, it's a term now, fubbing, mm. phone partner snubbing. That happens in marriages all the time. 
it happens when you walk into Walmart and the teenager standing there won't look at you because they're scrolling Instagram on their phone and they're getting paid for that. I don't understand how this happens in our world, but that happens a lot. We can all relate to it. We've all been at restaurants where you see a family and nobody's talking to each other because everybody's on a phone. They're, they're fubbing each other. I've been guilty <laughs> of being on Facebook when my wife's sitting in the room with me and there's nothing else going on. Like, here's the discipline. We have got to put our phones down. It's amazing to me. There's even another term that's coming out in research. It's called technoference. Did you know that parents are letting their kids <laughs> get away with more and more because they're on their phone? They asked their child to go clean up the kitchen, and then they didn't watch the follow-through. They didn't monitor the child's behavior. They got on their phone, and so 30 minutes goes by, and it's, wait a minute, you didn't finish. What happened? And now the parent is screaming at the child because you were on the phone. Mm. And we're seeing more misbehavior in children as a result of that. Uh, they're even seeing some attachment problems with infants who have mothers who are not looking at the child while breastfeeding. They are instead looking at their phone. Mm. This is a serious matter. And all of us, here's the deal, all of us got to have some self-discipline. And when there's a, a real live human being in your presence, a child, a spouse, put the phone down. If you need to have some time, talk about it. Decide when that time's going to be. Ten minutes here, great. Then put it down. But that repetitive, this becomes a barrier to you and I connecting, is a problem. And I think there will be an escalation of discipline issues with children. And parents are going to blame the kids when it was really you who needed to put down your phone. Oh, Ron just stepped right off oh, yeah. my toes. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ron. Listen, we all need that reminder because we I think do. the reason we allow it as a society is because we're all doing it. <laughs> like we're all That's guilty right. of it. Yep. It's, so, and it's new territory and we're trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. But at the end of right. the day, I really believe it comes down to me, self-discipline. Mm -hmm. I just need to put it down and value more the per person in front of me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, stepping all over my toes, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Ron, what a blessing to have you on our show again today. Uh, how about telling our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your books and your ministry? Family Life Blended is the ministry I direct for uh, Family Life. We're the largest blended family ministry in the world, actually. We have resources for couples, and we also empower churches to minister to couples in their church and community. Uh, you can also go to my website, personal website, smartstepfamilies.com. That'll connect you to everything I'm doing from live events to virtual events to uh, written materials that people can access online to books to video curriculum that for churches, uh, all kinds of things, smartstepfamilies.com. That's great. And listeners, as usual, we will be sure to put links to all of those resources in our show notes. Ron, how about leaving our listeners with a final word of encouragement? Mm. I heard a story about a guy who was engaged, found the woman of his dreams. They were planning to get married. Uh, you know, all of us remember, if you've been married, you remember those times, just how invigorating it was, how excited you were. He was the same until she came to him and confessed that she was pregnant. Now, he knew two things immediately. Number one, he knew it was not his child. 
they had not slept together. And so he immediately knew, number two, that she had betrayed him and that the relationship was over. And he was walking away. He, in deep pain, he just walked away. Until an angel tapped Joseph on the shoulder Hmm. and said, hey, guy, dude. I think he said dude. It's in in the Greek. It's in the Greek. He said, uh, dude, there's something bigger going on here, and we need you. And Joseph chose love. (laughs) Ironically, to the one who came from heaven in love for him. We don't know much about Joseph, but he did the deal. He was the man. He stepped in. Not his obligation, not his responsibility. He had every right to walk away, but he chose instead to step into that place and love. Under crisis and duress before the child was even born, after Jesus was born. At age 12, Jesus gets lost. Joseph is going berserk trying to find him. And when he finds Jesus, he's kind of reminded that he still wasn't the dad. I mean, Jesus, you know, I mean, he's, he was right. It was spiritual saying I was at my father's house. <laughs> but, you know, somewhere in there, Joseph is reminded, you know, I'm not the main man in this kid's life. And yet I have all these responsibilities and I'm giving so much to this child. I want to celebrate the step-parents, the foster parents, the adoptive parents that are listening right now. You are choosing love. You are stepping in. You do not have obligations, do not have natural responsibilities, and yet you're taking them on. I think that the church needs to celebrate you and, and people like you. I think we need to support you better than we have in the past. But for now, would you just take my sincere appreciation and my thank you. And I just want to say blessings upon you. You're an amazing person for doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Ron and Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a great help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children and your stepchildren for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently. 
And each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.